everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Random Fit. I'm Wendy Batts here with Ken Miller. And today we are talking about the subsystems. How exciting is that, Ken? It's so exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I mean, it's exciting from a couple of vantage points. I think one, it, it gives us a different perspective on how to look at the body. And when you look at um, you know, something that we've discussed in other episodes, you know, with um, regional interdependence, you know, basically it's just saying that everything's connected to everything. And when it comes to the subsystems, what we really need to look at is, okay, well, how are we going to challenge the body, especially when it comes to exercise? Let me put it in that context. So subsystems, again, that's something we teach to, to personal trainers. I think for those of us that are exercisers and we tend to look at the body as in pushing or pulling or lower body or chest and back or chest and triceps, chest and shoulders, back and biceps, it gives us a different perspective on how to look at things. Yeah, and I think it's important when we talk about subsystems, we're basically talking about how our muscles work together because there's some that work in harmony with others that connect the upper and the body, or like you said, more from the front to the back or the top to the bottom. I mean, now they all work together in some shape or form, but you, we can put emphasis on some of these different quote subsystems that we're going to talk about. And to, to your point, Ken, it's important when we are designing programs, because the more we change it up and challenge the body, we're going to end up having better results later because it's something that our body's not used to. So we're going to burn more calories. We have to think through it. We have to make sure we have good execution. And, you know, when you're thinking about activities of daily living, those subsystems and challenging, you know, yourself in different with different exercises can lead to a better outcome long-term too, in just your daily, daily life. So, um, yeah. And when it comes to, yeah, wow. So, yep. So, well, uh, you know, I think, you know, when we talk about subsystems, um, again, it's just a different chain of events when it comes to how the body moves is the way I like to explain it. And the first time I had exposure to this is through a book called Anatomy Trains written by Thomas Myers. And I just happen to have it right here. You know, it sits on my desk. Um, but for, what sits on your desk, Wendy? How about um, this? Well, look at you. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, when I, when I first read the book and I did read the book is more than a lot of pictures, which made the easing, the, the, the reading a lot easier, but it gave me, you know, some, some good insight on the fact that, Hey, the body is more than, like you said, when you front, back, top, bottom, uh, right and left, it is about, okay, if I have to execute motion and I have to execute motion, let's say from an athletic standpoint, and it requires me to throw or requires me to run, I, there's a system of muscles that work more so with those specific movements. And one thing I would say is like every, all muscles work all the time. It's just how much they're working and in what direction. So when we talk about, um, the subsystems, you know, we're going to talk about, we're going to mention four and we're going to give you some examples of some of the exercises that, you know, promote using those system or that chain of muscles when it comes to movement. But what Th Thomas Myers opens up your eyes on is the fact that, okay, from head, you know, from fingernails to toenails, the body's connected, connected in multiple ways. And for us to kind of get diversity in, in how we move and how we challenge the muscles, but it's more than just muscles. What what really drives this connection and 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 makes us look at the muscle as m different layers of systems? It's through connective tissue. It's fascia because fascia, or you know, this connective tissue that runs basically throughout the body, 
it, it has to be stressed in different ways. And, you know, when you look at the anatomy of you know, anatomy trains, um, we get some really good insight on how to effectively challenge those fascia because, you know, as you train and as you work out, you do the same thing over and over and over again. You get really good at those motions. But on the other side, you get really bad at doing things you don't do. And that's what can lead the way to injury. And that's why we're really, you know, hoping we open your eyes on what it, what it takes to challenge the body differently. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, too, we've talked about the importance of doing like total body exercises or, you know, a single leg to a single arm. But, you know, one of the things, you know, let's let's just go into the first one. If we talk about the deep yep. longitudinal subsystem, you know, that sounds like it's just this crazy, you know, crazy long word for basically thinking about when you when your foot touches the ground, how it transmits force up your body or the kinetic chain. So when we think about that, like as soon as you have the impact to the ground, it's going to work with specific things all the way up your body um, just by by doing that. And so, you know, Ken, I think I think you describe this really well, because for me, I would be like, okay, so you've got your erector spinae, which is your back, and you've got this fascial that comes out of your sacrum and then you've got your sacrum and then you've got, you know, like I can make it sound all complicated, but in all reality, as soon as that foot hits the ground, it's going to go all the way up, all the way through your, your mid back. Right. And you, and again, I think it was Gary Gray that I first heard it from is, you know, when the foot hits the ground, everything changes, right? Because now you have the impact um, of the ground and you have ground reaction forces, which puts tension into the body. Now, how it puts tension into the body is something that a lot of people don't realize, but you're, as your leg is forward, if I'm taking a step and that my, I'm taking my right foot is swinging forward, I'm going to put tension in the hamstrings and that hamstring is going to connect up to the sacred tuberous ligament and then up through the sacrum and then up through the opposite uh, thoracolumbar fascia, which is connected tissue in the low back, and then up to the opposite shoulder through the lat. So just to kind of look at, again, it's a long, deep longitudinal system, right? So here's the thing. We stretch out a certain set of muscles. And again, you mentioned, or we're talking about the foot hitting the ground, but then you think about my right leg forward. Well, guess what else is forward? My left arm. So my body is, mm -hmm. my body is kind of diagonally moving. So opposite arm and opposite leg. So, um, so it is fair that if we want to improve gait and walking mechanics and looking at how those muscles work, well, if we're going to try to challenge that or be better at walking mechanics, we need to look at some exercises that look at allowing movement, mobility, as well as strengthening those muscles in that particular direction. Yes. And those of you guys that are joining Ken Miller and myself on Random Fit, we're talking about knowing your subsystems. And we just mentioned the deep longitudinal subsystem. And some of my favorite exercises to actually work this one in particular is the, the good old bird dog. And for those of you guys that, you know, are trying to picture it in your head, imagine that your knees are on the ground, your hands are on the ground. So you're in like a kind of in a four point position. And then if I lift up my right arm straight towards my ear, so I'm face down, right? So I'm looking at the ground. If my arm comes up and it actually hugs my ear, then my left leg will go out. So I'm working opposite arm, opposite leg, trying to maintain neutral spine, making sure my abs are in tight and really trying to focus, like you said, as one, you know, I'm squeezing my, my left glute 
and really extending my right arm, which is going to work my lat as well as all the muscles that connect from one side to another. And the reason why we really like to work contralaterally, so as my left leg is extended, my right arm will go up, is because think about how you walk. You walk opposite arm, opposite leg. If you drop something on the ground, then you're going to, I'm left-handed, so I would stand on my right leg to bend over to grab it with my left hand. And so, you know, thinking about doing something like a forward lunge with a reach or a hop to stabilization or a single leg Romanian deadlift, something that again is challenging me um, opposite arm, opposite leg wise, then I think, you know, you're really going to focus on that one particular subsystem. And that variation of exercises brings a totally different view in comparison to doing just a bicep curl or a standing right. tricep extension, or just a front raise. I mean, think about all the muscles that are included. So again, you have to really think about what you're doing and you're going to have more muscles that are working. Yeah. And I think, you know, one, one, another way to look at it is not just the relationships, but if you think about how a lot of people traditionally work out. So if you're in a gym or in a health club where you are used to sitting down on things, and isolating movements either through let's say a seated chest press seated row uh, seated leg press these muscles are basically unaware of working with other muscles or what you have just na naivety when it comes to movement or coordinated movement so it's you know and i'm sure you've come across this a bunch of times when where you get somebody who does a lot of traditional exercise bench press squats but when you start to have to coordinate like you're saying opposite arm and opposite leg that's when they're really showing like man i'm not as coordinated as i thought i was you know here you know they got muscles upon muscles upon muscles but does it really mean anything if you don't know how to use them well so if we're now having to coordinate opposite arm and opposite leg that bird dog is actually i just had a training session this morning that was one of the exercises that we did to work on that opposite hip with the op with with the opposite shoulder so from that vantage point it gets us to actually learn how to move the way that we're meant to move throughout the day. Um, so one exercise that I love is the, the hop to stabilization. So mm -hmm. the, the example that you and I both brought up is, is regarding the walking cycle, the normal gait cycle. So when we walk, it is opposite arm and opposite leg. But when that foot hits the ground, there's a level of impact and a level of stability that has to be be done through that leg so when we do a little hop to stabilization that's basically hopping from one foot to the other and having to control that movement once that impact happens how how well can we stabilize the foot stabilize the hip as well as the upper body and a lot of times that goes unnoticed because you know how often does the average exerciser work on um on uh, stability when it comes to hopping or even jumping Right. And again, the importance of your landing mechanics when you're doing mm -hmm. all that, just because you can hop, you know, it's more of can you hop it and hold it and own that before you just fall over. <laughs> so yeah. when we're talking yeah. about all these, of course, it's really looking at form and execution. And, you know, for those of you guys that are joining myself and Ken Miller on Random Fit, we're talking about knowing your subsystems. And we've spent some time talking about the deep longitudinal subsystem. But you want to think of another one that actually goes, you know, works synergistically or works together really closely with the, the with that subsystem is your posterior oblique subsystem. And so when you're thinking about that one in general, now we're looking not just at what's happening and transmitting forces from your, your foot up, but we're really kind of emphasizing 
especially if you've had low back pain, because this one mm -hmm. is one of the contributors specifically that we really want to focus on to help prevent low back pain is your opposite glute and opposite lat, because in between those two, you've got, you know, you, you hear people talk about, you know, your SI joint and because of where those connect in those fibers run um, perpendicular to the SI joint, then you're thinking too, that if you get good rhythm between the two and you can execute good movement patterns, then you're going to have less movement unnecessarily or unnecessary movement of the hips to maintain proper um, alignment of your pelvis. And, you know, when you look at the hamstring strains and, and how we train our body and we're, we're unaware of that neutral position in your hips, and let's say, you know, your hips are slightly moved forward, your hamstrings are actually in a lengthened position because your glutes aren't firing correctly. And so therefore, if your glutes aren't firing correctly, then, then we're going to have more issues. If you don't have good alignment in your hips, you're going to have lat issues. So it upper and lower problems on the backside. And, you know, that can actually lead to hamstring strains if you're stretching the right muscles or the wrong muscles and working on strengthening and doing things that isn't going to help alleviate that pelvis imbalance, if you will. Yeah. And one of the things I teach my my athletes is the fact that, hey, your hips are only as good as your shoulders and <laughs> and by and vice versa. You can do all the hip exercise you want and, and you bring up low back issues and it's and it's easy to pick on the area that's close by, right? So if, if we have a low back issue, say, okay, well, let's strengthen up the glutes. Well, what if in that chain of events, when we look at shoulder to opposite hip, maybe the hip is doing okay, but it's the shoulder's mm -hmm. responsibility of, of being mobile and stable and being able to hold posture through the upper upper body that, you know, it's the shoulders not, not holding up its end of the bargain when it comes to that relationship between, let's say, the right shoulder and the left hip. So we can do all the strengthening exercises we want on the left side, but if we fail to look up the chain, if you will, then we're only covering, you know, you know, we're, we're, we're getting the, uh, the squeaky wheel, getting the grease. Yeah. And if, if that's the case, then, you know, we're ignoring another aspect that can actually help out if not speed up the recovery process. And I know we're talking a little bit about little injury post rehab or even like pre preventive, um, aspects of training, but looking at how the shoulders and the hips work, we have to look up as well as down the chain of events when it comes to, to that uh, posterior oblique system. So looking at strengthening, um, again, stability first, strength, and then power when it comes to shoulder and hip. So we can do all the strength and power we want, but unless we consider, okay, who else needs to be a part of this conversation, we need to look, again, across and diagonal um, at the other muscles that are responsible for that movement that we're talking about. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's important too, when you're thinking of the, about the posterior oblique subsystem and we're thinking about opposite, you know, glute and opposite lat to your point. Um, it's also important to think too, this is really, really important when you're doing rotational exercise or movements. So think about swinging a bat, swinging a golf club, think about the backside mechanics that need to happen in that rotational movement. And you need opposite 
you know, like, like you said, the opposite arm kind of opposite leg to kind of work together when you're making that rotational movement. So therefore you're going to get more power production when you're trying to do these certain things. If you don't have good alignment and you're not really working that particular subsystem, then again, that can cause more stress on that joint in the low back that can lead to low back issues, discomfort, and, you know, eventually pain. And so one of my favorite exercises to do um, and I have talked about this in multiple podcasts and webinars, but one of my go-tos, especially for this one, is grabbing a cable and I would end up putting the cable like handle all the way to the bottom and I make it pretty heavy because I do want it to, you know, I want to challenge my lower body and my upper body. Now, again, not so heavy that I compensate using my neck or anything, but I will stand on my right leg. I will hold the cable in my left hand and I will do a single leg squat fully come up, squeeze my glute, and then go into a row with my left shoulder. And so I think when you're looking at all that kind of, you know, that one particular exercise to me, it really gets my my quads and my glutes firing, but I'm also making sure I've got good, good um, positioning of my left shoulder or the opposite shoulder than the leg that I'm standing on. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, you bring up a couple points there, Wendy. One, standing on one. A leg. couple? Come on, dude. A couple. Okay, <laughs> what number I'm do you want to hear? Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, for one, standing on one leg, right? Mm -hmm. And that's, in, and here we're looking at anti-rotation, right? Or anti-movement. So we're working to stabilize while you're pulling onto that cable. So the upper body is moving, but even though the, le the lower body is not moving in a single leg balance and opposite arm row, um, your your lower body is you know you'll you'll have uh, you'll have that 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 epiphany the first time you do this exercise again stand on your stand on your left row with your right after a while if you're doing moderate to slow speeds and you get your twelve repetitions on there you're gonna feel it somewhere whether it's in the glute or somewhere in the foot and ankle complex because those muscles are definitely trying to do their job as far as preventing motion while you're putting stress. Mm -hmm by pulling onto that cable. So stress is there and it's the way that the stress is transferring or translating through the body. That's going to be important. So don't be, don't, you know, don't get it mistaken. The fact that because you're standing on one leg doesn't mean that you're not stressing out that system, even though it's, you have the arm moving and the, and the leg just standing there. So that, that's a, that's one of my favorites too, because it, it's a sneaker, right? It's a, it'll creep. It, it'll creep up on you. And the fact that, Oh man, I had no idea that this can work with this in that way. Yes, and it's important to think too, we're working mainly when we're talking about the posterior oblique, we're thinking a little bit more on the posterior, the back side. It's also important to think about the anterior oblique sus subsystem, which we're gonna talk about next because that actually is working in conjunction. It's just like basically what's happening on the posterior side is now happening on the anterior side. So it's still working um, in the transverse plane. And remember, when we talk about transverse plane, we're just talking about rotational movement patterns. And so, but now we're focused now when we think about anterior oblique, it's what it is. It's on the front. So we're really focusing more on the front mechanics of that. So here we're looking at your internal and external oblique complex. We're thinking about the adductor complex, which the adductors are just your inner thigh muscles, as well as your hip external rotators. So, you know, think about the ones that that turn your leg out. 
And so when you think about all of that in combination too, you know, these have shown to really help when you focus on this subsystem, it's going to help with your pelvic stability as well as rotational movements that you're trying to produce. And it's going to also help ready for this stabilize that that particular joint in your lower back. And so when you really think about how this all works together, all four subsystems, and then we've only talked about three so far, but all four of them really do work together. It's just more will be emphasized, you know, some a little more than others, depending on the exercise selection that you choose. Yep. And we're, we're talking about knowing your subsystems with Wendy Batts and myself, Ken Miller here on Random Fit. And I think, uh, you know, an easy way to understand this, if we take that example of, you know, a, a single leg balance and row, even a, a reverse lunge with the row to work on the posterior oblique because now we're talking about the anterior oblique again just take you know what we were looking at the back look at it from the front side so now if we do that from the front we can do a single leg chest press or even a lunging uh cable chest press so if i lunge if i have the cable in my right hand and i and i lunge forward with my left leg so opposite hand opposite leg i can lunge forward and get a press there. So if you have access to a, uh, a standing cable machine and the cable is in the, uh, the top setting, so I can take a lunge and press with opposite arm and opposite hand. Now I'm going to work opposite shoulder. And again, as you're saying, Wendy, you have your adductors, internal, external obliques working to stabilize if I'm holding my chest up and now stressing out that chain of muscles diagonally from shoulder to opposite hip or opposite opposite thigh if we're talking about the adductors um, in that in that example so that's you know just take what we did talking about the back take that same diagonal alignment and then flip it over to the front and then you just think shoulder to opposite hip in the front Mm -hmm. And one of my one of my favorite exercises that requires no equipment that that I do specifically for this subsystem is if you're laying on your back and you bring one well one leg up at a 90 degree angle right so you're bending your hip and you're bending your knee and you're basically making a, a, a right angle. Let's say if I'm laying on my back and my it's my right knee that's bent, I will take my left hand and place it on top of my right knee so it's opposite. And I actually try to push my knee into my hand and my hand into my knee. So it's actually a, a it, nothing moves, but you're really working opposite arm, opposite leg, because again, you're having to fight the resistance that you're placing on itself mm -hmm. by relaxing your neck too keeping your abs drawn in and then doing that and holding anywhere from, you know, three to 15 seconds, depending on, on how much you want to challenge yourself and then switch to the other leg and then repeat. Um, to me, it's one that basically everybody can do because it doesn't put a lot of strain or stress on your lower back. It's easy because it doesn't require any equipment and it's something that you can do anytime, anywhere, but it's really, really good for your core as well. Yep. And uh, I, you know, that's a that's a great one because like you said you don't need any equipment and at the same time we're we have an opportunity to work the muscles in a, in a different way so um you know when we're talking about deep longitudinal posterior oblique anterior oblique when you start to incorporate these exercises because you've changed the relationship you're you're, you're actually laying down new new groundwork for the for one to challenge the the fascia the connective tissue but we're also talking about challenging the nervous system in a different way. So as it is, whenever you try new exercises, don't be surprised if you have a different level of soreness or soreness that you haven't felt in a while. So, um, you know, it's like when I pick up a ball and I start throwing around for the first time, you know, after things start warming up. Now I have to throw around. My shoulder's a little sore. My abs are a little sore. 
So when you do these exercises that we're talking about, don't be don't be surprised that you start feeling, even though with that dead bug exercise, that example, when especially when you're talking about pushing across and diagonal on the body, even though there's no weight, you're not standing up, you're on the ground, you're laying on your back. Um, you might feel a different level of soreness. And then, you know, you wake up the next day saying, what did I do yesterday that made me? I do that all the time when I start, when I do new exercise, I'm like, man, what did I do? Oh, it's that as, as, as little to no motion or no equipment. Sometimes those are the ways that you feel the most sore. Well, because most people don't do it. And so when I have a client do that, they'll say that too. I woke up and I felt like I did a thousand crunches. I'm like, yeah, because we were still working those same muscles. And instead of putting a lot of strain and stress onto the hip flexors, as well as like, you know, overstraining like muscles in your stomach by doing all these, you know, excessive crunching. I'm literally trying to work the deep muscles that are in the spine, as well as working, you know, think about, like I said, we're working internal, external oblique muscles. So you're working opposite. You've got to stabilize. And, you know, sometimes it's not how many, you know, crunches like side oblique things you can do, or, you know, you can do crunches with opposite arm or elbow to knee, you know, the bicycles, that type of stuff that will also work there. But think too, what are we trying to accomplish? What muscles are we trying to hit? And then, you know, again, that's a very basic one. And then you can go with more advanced once you know that your body can handle that. Right. And Wendy, and when you're, when your clients say that, is this when you tell them, this is what we call working smarter. <laughs> yes. yeah. Or I say, remember that. So when I ask you to do some of this stuff at home, because you, you know, you're going out of town or whatever, you can yeah. do it still even laying in the bed that you're in if you're on vacation before mm-hmm. you get up and start doing stuff. So right. <laughs> sometimes it's that, aha, they gotcha. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, <laughs> yeah. So that, that actually brings us to, to another exercise or another movement pattern that makes us feel a little bit sore when we remember to do them is our, lateral subsystem so this is more what we in the industry call our lat you know so basically the muscles inside so when we talk about the frontal plane muscles so we're talking about our obliques we're talking about the the side of the glutes we're talking about again those adductors come up again but again one point that we want to make sure you understand is like it's not that these muscles operate only in one subsystem they will overlap so a lot of times if you are if you're weak or compensated in one subsystem, that'll affect the relationship of that same muscle with other movement patterns as well. But the benefit to that is that if you improve strength in one plane, you're going to affect movement and quality movement in another plane or in another system of muscle. So in, in this example with, with the lateral subsystem, we're talking about the muscles that control us from doing this little right to left teeter totter. Um, and when when it comes to that, when we when uh, I want to challenge the lateral subsystem, basically I'm looking at your ability to control and hold yourself upright, and prevent you from you know having what we call a hip drop or having a shoulder drop when it comes to walking. So again, we like to use walking or gait cycle, watching somebody walk away or walk towards you, as far as looking at quality of movement. And you can observe, even though you're walking and rotating, as we talked about with the other subsystems we can actually get an idea of how well you can stabilize these lateral muscles, these, these muscles basically get a side profile of you and the muscles that you can see and are visible. Those are the ones that we're talking about. 
Mm -hmm. And one thing, you know, to your point, the way that you say when we talk about frontal, again, think about if I just step to the side, that's a frontal plane movement, right? So like you said, shifting from left to right or moving from side to side. So you can always still see the front of you. There's no rotation, anything like that. And a lot of it too, you know, that if you have this function, so if you're, you're kind of new to some of this and you want to see kind of where are you and some of your subsystems and how strong are you look at your arches of your feet, because this one's a big one for your um, lateral subsystem. If you notice that you're, when you're standing, that your arches fall. However, when you are sitting, you still have an arch, meaning you're not born with flat feet. It's just when you come, you know, like you stand up, your your feet fall, then there's probably some kind of dysfunction in this lateral subsystem. And think about the reason we say that is if your arches fall, then your knees will probably cave in and you're going to shift to that one side where that arch falls down, right? Versus if everything is is got a good arch alignment, your knees in line, your hip is in good position, and you can stand with upright torso without um, having any kind of dysfunction in the shoulders rolling forward or forward head. And so, you know, when we talk about how everything kind of works together, this one works a lot too. When we were talking about the the deep longitudinal one with the the heel strike and the and the movement of the gait, um, this one I think plays plays along nicely with that one in particular. But that's usually where you're going to notice there's dysfunction. And so, on an exercise correction then I do a lot of balance work. I really spend a lot of time on the foot ankle complex, making sure we've got good arch alignment, mm -hmm. good, you know, second, third stays in line with the kneecap. We've got really good glute activation. But once I know that we can handle that, we start working on the strength of the foot and the arches. Then I like to do farmer walks or suitcase carries, whatever you want to call that. Yeah. Like those are some of the exercises that I go to specifically for that one subsystem. Yeah. I, I love suitcase carries because I mean, as, as we're opening up, people are traveling more. I mean, you're going to have to carry, you got to carry your stuff. Um, not to mention when you're walking out of the grocery store um, and you, you're like me, I like to hold like three bags on one side and three bags. on. Oh, the I just side. hold them all on one side, just one, one side, side because I yeah. just want to see if I can. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a good, it's good measure of grip strength also. That's right. <laughs> um, but I guess one exercise that a lot of, a lot of people do are planks, right? But a lot of people are doing prone planks where you're, when you're when you're just face down and your elbows are under your shoulders and you're trying to hold still, one of the exercises that a lot of people don't do are side planks. So this is just where you're laying on the side. You've got your elbow or your forearm posted on the floor, and you're trying to keep as tall and as long a body as you can, keeping the head, shoulders, hips, and ankles all in line. But you're trying to keep good alignment between your chin, your sternum, and your and your pubic bone. And that's not an easy exercise where a lot of people will compensate. And when they don't have weakness there, they'll, they'll migrate to a different body position. And a lot of times what they'll do is they'll either drop the hip. So if I'm on my right side, they'll drop that right hip towards the floor or they'll flex at the hip and make themselves a little bit shorter so they don't have to stabilize such a long body. So doing a side plank and then if you want to progress that, you pick up your top leg. So you do yeah. like a little a, a sideline straight leg raise. So if you really want to work on that frontal plane and that lateral subsystem, a side plank is one great stability-based exercise that you can do. Very challenging, but again, it gets you away from, you know, just doing that same old everyday plank, but where you really can test your body is with that side plank. 
Yeah, side planks are great. And, you know, and, and depending on too, that that leg raise is super challenging maintaining that proper alignment. And I think that's where people, it's not about how long can you hold a plank. And that's one thing I wanted to you know, really stress because, you know, I can go up and I can perch for 60 seconds, but am I really drawing in, working the glutes and maintain proper alignment? Think about your body. It relaxes, it activates, it relaxes, it activates. So kind of train what you're doing in life. So, you know, come up, hold for three to five seconds maybe add like a leg lift so a side leg raise making sure mm -hmm. that that top leg stays parallel to the floor hold for two seconds lower the leg and then lower your entire body and repeat it's going to work the stabilizers in your sh shoulder it's going to work your entire core it's like you said work your lateral subsystem you're working your your outer hip which is usually super weak um so it's it's an awesome exercise so nicely done i like that one so yeah yeah so we're talking about knowing your subsystems here on random fit and wendy i think when it comes to understanding again when we talk about the deep longitudinal the posterior oblique anterior oblique and the lateral subsystem you know we're just giving you some insight again we brought up thomas myers when it came to his book on anatomy trains but i think overall the goal was to get you as an exerciser or if you're a personal trainer is try to look at the body from a different perspective a lot of times we look at it like upper, lower, push, pull, back, biceps, chest, triceps. But when we look at function and we look at what are we supposed to do throughout the, the second I get out of bed, how do I challenge my body in the most efficient way that's going to get me prepared for life, right? Mm -hmm. So if I, if I know I need to, you know, get my son ready for baseball, I got to warm him up. So guess what I got to do? I got to throw. And when I throw, I know I'm going to use my shoulder and opposite both the posterior oblique system when it comes to bringing that arm back, getting ready to throw. And then when I take a step forward, now I'm working the anterior oblique system because now my left, I'm right-handed. So I take a step with my left and I throw with my right. So I know that here I need to work both so that when I train, when I work out, I need to keep in mind, okay, what do I got to do? Well, I got to swim. So I got to work on <clears throat> opposite arm and opposite leg. When I throw, I got to work on definitely that posterior oblique system and, and definitely looking at what you talked about, Wendy, we don't talk about the foot and ankle enough. I mean, we've talked about it on previous <laughs> recordings, but if we can't hit the ground right, if we can't stabilize through the foot, everything else up that chain is going to be compromised. Yeah. And I think, you know, just my final take, like you said, is really putting all of it together. It's not getting techie with what subsystem is this, that, and the other, what it's called. But if you have a good understanding that, you know, training contralaterally, opposite arm, opposite leg, even doing some ipsilateral stuff. So, you know, same arm, same leg, rotating, doing different motions and moving in all three planes of motion, which again, forward and back, side to side, adding some rotational movement. That's what we do in life. And you get what you train for. So if you train for what you do in life, you train for the sports that you want to play with your kids or you're playing yourself, you're going to have better outcomes. It's safer. You're going to feel better. You're going to move better, which will lead to better performance. And it also just changes up your every single day routine of just yeah. the basic one arm muscle groups of doing the same thing, like Groundhog's Day, change it up, do different things. And you're going to see how, how, how much more fluid you move and some of the other stuff that, that you've been doing forever when you go back to it. Yep. And I think, uh, you know, when we, when we think about workout, like groundhogs, that's a, that's an awesome, the groundhog day workout, keep doing what yeah. you've been doing. 
forever. (laughs) Because the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. So hopefully we've given you as a listener or viewer, thank you again for watching Random Fit. But hopefully we've given you some ideas on how to mix up your workout. Think about relationships. It's about relationships, Wendy. It's right? always about relationships. We got to build relationships and <laughs> and no different for the muscular as well as the fascial system. Again, you all what rides on that is the nervous system and how we keep things, you know, fresh and keep the body challenges. Challenge all those systems, the muscular, the fascial, the nervous system. And you're going to be sure to to see different results. Again, get away from what you've done. Try something different. Try a different sequence. Look at opposite arm, opposite leg when it comes to pushing and pulling. So hopefully we've given you some insight on how you can mix up your workouts by knowing your subsystem. So again, Wendy, thank you for your insight and sharing your perspective when it comes to this topic of uh, subsystems. And for those of you listening, if you like what you had to listen to, please like, follow, subscribe, and comment. Let us know if there's anything you'd like to hear from us. But until next time, take care and be well.